This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to create a student-centered, positive, and challenging environment in which students are able to excel through critical thinking, problem-solving, collaboration with others, and using of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's podcast is a part two where we are continuing the interview with Katie Barong and Stacy Hutchinson, two of our preschool teachers here at Clayton Bradley Academy. At this time, we'll rejoin the podcast. So when we're looking then at preschool, we talked about that we're using standards and, and really up till now, we've, we've really just talked about like a lot of exploring and kind of, you know, learning by experience and being there. What does, for somebody that's going, okay, but you know, how do you teach, you know, kind of the, the reading, writing, math, you know, the, the things that people think of with school, do we teach that at three and four year olds? What does that look like? Stacey, we'll start with you and then we'll flip over to, to you, uh, Katie. So wh- what does that look like? Like to actually teach the stuff that th- people think about with school of, of learning? Yes, we definitely do. Um, we have whole group activities at times where we might be doing a science activity all at once. We have small groups where if we are doing letters and sounds, maybe some of the kids are ready to start looking at sight words and little readers. So we want to make sure that we have different groups to where they're getting what they need, that, oh, we're, we're learning the, the pre-primers right now, and then the other group may be just working on the vowels and the vowel sounds. So that's an important way to break that up. For math, same thing. We might have small groups. Maybe we're just working on counting, one-to-one counting correspondence. Maybe we're working on addition with some of the kids. So, but again, it's like all hands-on. We're not just sitting down with a pencil and paper. It's hands-on things. We might be writing in sand. We might be using shaving cream to write the letters or numbers. Just different things like that. Anything that we can come up with that's hands-on that relates back to those learning letters, learning numbers, counting, that yeah. type of thing. And, and what does that look like, Katie, if, if I was walking in your room? Um, how much time would you say a kid is actually you know, learning to do things like holding a pencil or I guess maybe, maybe even a crayon or, you know, looking at that fine motor activity um, to do some of that. And, and how do we determine when a kid is, I guess, ready for that? Like a three-year-old might not be ready to really, you know, hold a pencil and write letters or numbers, but we know that, you know, eventually they're going to go into kindergarten and, and that's kind of an expectation that they do know how to then hold a pencil okay. or a crayon and that sort of thing. So how do we go about that as part of our curriculum? Yeah. So, like Stacy said, I feel like maybe more than any other grade here, we have to differentiate because we have kids from three to five. Um, so all of our kids will come in each day and they'll sign in each morning, they'll sign their name. Um, so they, they're all getting that experience holding the pencil. Some might still just, you know, write their first letter and scribble the rest. Some are tracing, some are independently writing their first and their last name. So that's come from us, you know, seeing where they are and what they're able to do and scaffolding them with what they need. Um, so we differentiate with that um, and teaching them how to how to hold the pencil. Some still have that fisted grasp, some don't have the tripod grasp yet, but that's what we're working on um, throughout our day. Going back to the math, language, and science, um, you know, are we teaching those things? We absolutely are. Um, in our daily schedule, each of the preschool classes has a designated time where we do a math-focused activity. We do language, we do science, um, and that's that can be whole group, that can be small group. Um, but we relate those things back to, and the standards we're doing is all tied back into um, our exploring. So for example, we're learning about our sense of smell this week. 
And so, um, you know, we go outside, we see what we can smell. But in addition to that, during our math time, it's how can we tie our math activity into our concept of exploring our senses. And so for today, example, for an example, um, I brought in two different types of flowers and the children each smelled both of the flowers. So we're exploring our five senses, our sense of smell. And then we made a graph on the board. Which flower do you think smelled the best? They got to pick one. Did they think the pink or the yellow? And um, whatever they chose, I gave them one. And so they all held them up and we could visually see how many people thought the pink smelled the best. And we wrote it on the board. How many people thought the yellow smelled the best? And we wrote it on the board. Um, so we were counting. We were using one-to-one -one correspondence as we were counting each of the flowers. We were graphing. We were comparing more and less. So just really integrating all of these things together, um, but still in a fun way. You know, they're having a hands-on experience with the flower. We're not just talking about things we can smell. We're actually doing it, um, and we're counting these things um, physically with our hands so that um, that helps them build up that counting and cardinality skills. So we have these designated times each day that we do each of these things, but we're very purposeful about making it hands-on and making it meaningful to them um, so that they can connect it back to our concept of explore. And it's right. a physical thing. It's not that there we're showing something on the board. We really try to be purposeful of all the lessons that we plan. The kids get to physically make something, physically touch something. So they're you know, creating something and learning from that and bringing it to the place in their brain where they're gonna pull from, oh, uh, wow, at home I did this. I remember when I did this at home. And you just see it as the year goes on. They're really pulling more information from different experiences that they've had outside of school. Yeah. That makes me think of, um, Linda Jordan was saying, you know, in a lot of preschools you go into, you might see those little counting bears, those colorful little counting bears. And she's like, let's dig deeper. Let's think about what else could we count and sort um, things that when they go home, they'll be able to make that connection. These kids might not have these colorful counting bears at home, but if you give them flowers, they can go home and see flowers and think, oh, I could count these, I could sort these, or using silverware, counting forks, knives, and spoons. When I go home, I have silverware, I could count these things. So just being purposeful about having these meaningful objects um, that they can, you know, connect it back to even when they're at home and not at school. Right, and it's one of those things that we do look at with learning of if you can use the real thing then use the real thing. And so that idea of, you know, flowers are available. We can go find them. We can go pick them outside, you know, right? We can go look for them in nature. And and when they're home, they can do the same thing. Hopefully they're not picking mom's flowers no. out of the flower bed, but <laughs> they can at least go and experience that. Or, or like you said, with knives and forks and spoons and it not being, there's nothing wrong with using manipulatives right. at times in the classroom, but when we can use a real thing that they can connect to, that they can remember later on of what that was or, or how that was used, that's gonna help with their learning and it's gonna connect that up to something in their brain then. We, we know that, that that three and four year old time is a time that they're growing vocabulary, that they're growing speech, that they're, grow, you know, they're, they're making all these connections in their brain, they're growing dendrites all over the place, they're, they're, their brain's in a constant state of growing. Um, and so using that real thing that they're actually feeling once again with their senses of what the weight of that actually feels like. And I'm not holding a, a plastic right. thing whenever I can hold the real thing. Um, and the power that that does have in, in learning in the brain. And I don't want people that are listening thinking that, that when I'm saying there's a difference between like us exploring the na nature is less learning than them setting in a classroom counting because right. it's all connected. And that's part of that model of, of the experience they're having is causing learning to take take place right and so we're looking for ways to use that that 
idea that three and four year olds are going to explore their world and saying, okay, let's, let's point them in directions at times, but let's let them go in their own directions at times as well. One of the things we're also doing here at the school is looking at like project-based learning, hands-on. You obviously, preschool is all hands-on. It, when you're thinking about something in your curriculum, Stacy, that you would say, this is probably the, the most fun that I have with preschoolers, what comes to your mind? What are you doing with them if, if, at, that, at that point? For me, I love to be outside, and I think the kids love to be outside. The parents always tell me, wow, they love that activity. It was outside. It was right up their alley. They had a great time. So I want to be outside. I want to do things where they're, again, hands-on, looking at different things and really questioning because that's the things, too. Sometimes we go in a different direction, like you were telling. Maybe this is what we had planned for today, but some questions arose within the kids. So it's maybe now we're learning about a couple of other additional things yeah. because the kids are curious about that. And I want to answer those questions and help them dig deeper and learn more with what they're curious about. We did a, a service project here at, on campus where we were learning about life cycles and plants in the spring. So we decided as a team that wouldn't it be cool we were going to raise butterflies. And we thought, well, instead of just releasing them, we kind of added to what we did the year before. Well, instead of just releasing them and raising them, let's create a place where the butterflies can go to a habitat. So we made a butterfly garden. Nice. And we kind of researched and talked to the kids about, well, I don't think maybe the butterflies are attracted to just any kind of plant. Is there a specific plant or plants that they're attracted yeah. to? So we kind of did that research and we found the plants. We got the parents involved. We got the supplies. So they really got to go out and build this habitat for these butterflies that they were seeing That's go through awesome. the stages in the classroom. And then guess what? When they were ready, it was time to release them. And just the joy on their faces and all the learning that had just been done and had come together. It was just an awesome experience to see that on their faces. And then they still talked about it. I had parents that would mm-hmm. tell me, even from the, coming in this year, like, oh, they're still talking about the butterfly garden <laughs> and all the things that they learned. And so whenever they see a butterfly, they're like, that's ours. We released that one. I'm like, maybe not, but you that's never okay. know. <laughs> we're okay. teaching. You know, one of the things is we really talked about responsibility because we thought, well, we're building this butterfly garden now. What do we have to do to be responsible and keep up with it? You know, we've got to water yeah. it and we've got to look after it. Um, so even now, like I said, this year we're out on the playground and they'll just screech and say, look, there's butterflies at our garden. So they get really excited even still about it. That's awesome. So Katie, what about you? When you're thinking about something that you just love to do, a project or an activity with the preschoolers, what, what's coming to your mind? For me, I love doing um, science experiments with them. That's what they get so excited about each day. They come in and they say, what's our experiment today? They want to have those hands-on experiences with science. Um, thinking, I really love the five senses also and just introducing that to them because that's something that we focus on throughout the whole year, um, just really diving deep into those at the beginning so that they have that background knowledge to use them the rest of the year. Um, one example of an ex- experiment we did was we were making volcanoes just a simple experiment at the beginning of the year um, my focus my for the standard for that was just to have them um, make observations and make predictions what do you think will happen what do you see will happen um, 
And then as we were doing it, they got so excited and we actually put a little food coloring in it. That wasn't even our main focus, but they were like, well, how did mine turn orange or how did mine turn purple? So because they had that curiosity about the colors when it was really just about the volcano, um, then the following day we did a color mixing experiment since they were um, intrigued about that. So going off of their interest with that and um, relating it all back to to our standards but going off their interest and sometimes you have to go off track and and you're still doing the standards but you're doing things that they're interested about and that they're curious about so just seeing their excitement whenever we do um, experiments and all these hands-on activities um, it's just really great to see absolutely another thing that that is part of the model part of standards part of something that that we do a lot of here uh, which is speaking and listening standards and so at the uh, kindergarten through 12th grade we have uh, things like family gathering where they're up on stage presenting. We don't do that a lot with the preschoolers. We, we do like the, the graduation type thing at the end of the year and stuff. But when you're looking at speaking and listening standards, Stacey, and, and your background is speech, so what does that look like for a preschooler? What are some things that you're doing to increase their speaking and listening? Um, I know, you know, you also had my own child uh, in preschool several years ago, right? And I remember a lot of conversations about speaking and listening in that too. So when we're, when we're looking at speaking and listening standards with preschool, what are those, how, how are we approaching those? How, what does that look like? One of the highlights that we do, I feel like we focus on because we don't, you know, only do the family gathering at the end of the year, we have show and tell once a week. So I think yeah. that's a really good time where they get to get up in front of the class and we talk about, um, you know, making eye contact, speaking loud enough, you know, looking at all of your friends when you're speaking. Because I think sometimes we think that kids can't do certain things, they're too young. But it's amazing when you are talking and you're teaching them things, what they really pick up on and they're able to retain and apply in a different situation. So then them just getting up in front of their friends, um, being able to speak about a toy that they're interested in, and then we do questions at the end. So the audience gets to raise their hand and ask a question about maybe why did you decide to bring that or where did you get it things like that so there's that dialogue going back and forth and it kind of cuts down on the fact that oh I'm not no longer afraid to get up in front of people it gives them that confidence to get up in front of their peers explain something how maybe their toy works and then for the peers to really be using active listening and focusing and then ask questions at the end showing that they're interested and maybe you know helping with their curiosity oh I wonder how, how does this work or how do you know I've had kids say well do you have to push a button or how does it turn on you know things like that so you really see the sparks going and the yeah. dendrites from all the new information that they're learning so I, I imagine that that's a lot of fun Oh, yeah, um, I imagine it can go in a lot of directions. <laughs> oh, it yeah. does. Sometimes, you know, we have, to, we have to rein them in at times. But yeah. just that, exp I think that is so important. And to see that, you know, it's okay if you, if you messed up or you didn't say that correctly. That's another thing I feel like is really important at this age to foster. I mean, I remember growing up not wanting to raise my hand. Like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing or mess up. But I really try to foster with these kids that, you know, it's okay. If you make a mistake, we're going to try it again. It's all right. And you just really see them being more confident and being more relaxed and experiencing more and kind of taking those risks yeah. when they feel like there's not a consequence for them. Absolutely. You know, I think the last thing I'd, I'd like to talk about, um, and Katie, I'll, I'll push this one to you, is 
that we talked about that relationship piece with the students, and we and you mentioned the importance of parents and and some of the ways that parents are able to come into the classroom, be guest speakers, or be mystery readers, or uh, maybe you know bring what they do to school and and help kids see you know some kind of community thing. What do you guys do as teachers? Once again, in our model, everything that we do is intentional. And so building a relationship with the parent is not an accidental or a hope that we do that thing either. That's an intentional thing. And uh, it's funny, as, as you go from preschool up through 12th grade, it's like the parent involvement sometimes uh, mm-hmm. diminishes uh, as the kids get older. And some of that's probably from the kid's perspective, too, of saying, like, Mom, I don't want you here. or Dad, I don't want you here all the time <laughs> in my life. Like, you know, let me do this. Let me grow up, right? Um, you've got older ones that, that that's probably the case, uh, Stacy, um, and you've experienced some of that. But at the preschool level, you know, parent involvement is pretty much 100 percent, right? Like oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like everything. They want to be there. <laughs> yeah. If we do a parent thing for preschool, we got a plan for all of them mm-hmm. to be there and possibly some aunts and uncles oh, and yeah. maybe a grandparent or two. Right. Yep. So what does that look like, though? Like, how are you guys intentionally building relationships with parents from the very beginning? What do you do on a regular basis to kind of continue that relationship so that you're partnering with that parent um, as much as possible to, to help in the development of that kid? Right. Um, I think that all starts with the home visit, which everyone does at CBA. I'm sure you've talked about it before on podcasts, but going to their house before they start school helps not only the child feel more comfortable about who I am and what we'll be doing at school, but it helps the parent too. And it helps us build that relationship with them from the beginning. Um, And then because the parent has to walk them in each day, you know, we're face to face with these parents every day where there are some teachers that may not ever see the the parent of the children that are that's in their class. So we're face to face with them each day. We're greeting them um, in the morning and in the afternoon. And we use um, an app in preschool that we communicate with the parents each day. We post our lesson plans on there. They're able to see what we're doing each day, what we're doing for the week. And we send them plenty and plenty and plenty of pictures every day um, probably too many but um, they love getting the pictures of their child and, and the other kids in the classroom and it helps them when they get home to have these conversations with them when they show them the picture like hey here's you at school today tell me what you're doing in this picture and it helps the child to go back and and talk about what they're doing in the picture um, we send a newsletter each week which kind of focuses on highlights what we did that week and what we'll be doing the next week um, so I think in preschool especially it's important to have these relationships with parents because we have their babies at school and it might be the first time that they've left their parents. So we really focus on having those relationships with the parents and letting them know that we're here with them. You know, we have this partnership together to help foster their child's learning and get them ready for school. So just knowing that we're, we're in this together with the parents. Absolutely. And it really is a partnership because we realize that, uh, that idea of, you know, it's a, it takes a village to raise a kid and that's from, three-year-olds all the way up through 12th grade and, mm-hmm. and our, our school's goal is that we work with the family to make a successful human being someone that is, is able to be a good citizen right that's able to to have caring when they need to and build friendships when they need to use the right effort have integrity all of those things that we would want as we interact with adults um, throughout the world and and that's our goal right and I think it's important too, like Katie was saying all the ways that we communicate with them and the things that we're doing I think it helps because a lot of parents want to understand what their child is learning mm-hmm. and how can I create that at home or carry that over at home and foster that at home I said so I think all that we show them that we're doing and the things that hey maybe you could try this at home I think they really like that the fact that 
they can carry on that learning at home and especially with the life skills and lifelong guidelines you know we're always telling them you know use these words at home when you're talking to your child because it just really helps with that reinforcement and carry over for them yeah well i really want to say thank you to both of you for taking time to sit down and talk about our preschoolers our three and four year olds here on campus and and it's always great i love being a mystery reader down there because it is just an awesome experience while you're there uh the kids love the what you're doing and then they want to give you high fives and fist bumps and hugs and everything else uh (laughs) while you're there and show you around the room or whatever that they comes to their head and it's a great time uh love interacting with our preschoolers on campus this has been the ignition point it's clayton bradley academy's podcast where every day we work with students to create a student-centered environment that they can excel in problem solving collaborating Um, critical thinking and using of our life skills and our lifelong guidelines. If you'd like to find out more about the school, you can go to our website at claytonbradleyacademy.org or you can come visit us here on campus. We would love to have you here, let you see what we do and to, to really see the magic that happens in that preschool classroom is something that you just have to experience uh, face to face. We just hope that you have a wonderful day.